Inspiration now in session. Inspire guys, people. My wife thinks I'm crazy. How did we get here? I can't believe y'all let me have a show. We going higher and higher, let me inspire you. Guys, people, I see you, let me admire you. He gave you vision and purpose, but you struggle to dream. Cause the seed that was sown wasn't stitched in your genes. What was in them was denim. I guess what's in them is in them. There's a different perspective that I'm trying to present them. It ain't always peace when you see the peace sign. It don't make you a Levite cause you rock Levi's. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to Inspire God's People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. Sometimes a gift feels a lot more like a curse. All right. Here's an interesting thing in life, man. It's like you can get something that you think you wanted and it can end up being or feeling like more of a burden than you thought it was going to. And then here's the other thing. You can also get something that you never asked for. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'll, I'll always think about like things like a singer, right? You just like, you just born like, fa la 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 la. Like you ain't never necessarily asked to be a singer. Like, Father, give me a voice. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, I don't know why it's one of the more interesting gifts because it's not that you can't practice and get better if you are already blessed with the gift to sing. But I'm just saying, me, I haven't met many people who can't naturally sing that can learn how to sing. Like, I've met people who can learn how to play the piano. I've even met people who can learn how to dance. Now, they may not naturally have rhythm, Rhythm is more of a natural a feel, something that is in you, right? But I've seen people like practice and get better at that. And I'm not saying literally that people can't get better at singing, but in singing, like I haven't met nobody to go from zero to 100. Like a piano player, you can be like, you can start today, know nothing. Like you can't play the piano at all, buddy. And then you could keep practicing and you could like turn into like the best piano player ever. But singer, like, you can't go from just, like, you can't sing, like, it just doesn't happen. Singing is a gift that people didn't ask for. And so, my point is, sometimes in this life, you are in situations that other people can perceive as good. It can seem like a good thing. It may be hard for you to see based on your personal experience with it, or maybe you weren't ready for the responsibility and, you know, just everything that comes with that. And so the gift feels more like a curse. So, all right, I'll think about this, right? Let's think about people who are like, presidents, right? President of the country. Let's think about their kids. A, a president. Their kids are normal kids. Like, they was born in the hospital just like you. They was crying. You know what I'm saying? First words, they normal people. But they get put into this position based on what their parents do that comes with, like, all type of extra requirements for them that's like, yo, I just wanted to be a regular bad teenager and do regular bad teenager stuff, but my pops is the president 
So now I got the Secret Service following me around. Now I got to be on my best behavior. And we've seen this with previous presidents where some of their children may act out and things like that. You even see it sometimes with like celebrities. Like I know recently LeBron James' oldest son, I believe, is 14 years old, either 14 or 15. And this year, this was the year they told him, hey, when you turn this age, you can get an Instagram account. My man gets an Instagram account. This, this is recently. And he, his first post, he cussing, he wilding out, like tripping out. And they had to delete it. And now he only posts basketball stuff. Well, why is that? It's because he acted out because he's a normal kid. You might see him as LeBron James' son, but he was just born. Like, it ain't like he just acts like, can LeBron be my daddy? None of us ask for our parents. We were blessed with our parents. And so LeBron James' son act like normal kids act. Wilds out on Instagram, gets in trouble, they take it down. Now, here is some of the differences, though. Because he's LeBron James' son, there's still like a standard that he has to live up to. And the tough thing is whether he wants to or not. Like, same thing you see with former presidents and their children. It's like, yo, you think you're going to go to this party and smoke and drink like the rest of these kids your age, but the reality of it is, even though you didn't ask for it, even though I, like, I understand you didn't want this, this is your life. And because of this, like this, this thing that you're born into, then it's going to come with some, some gifts, but some of those gifts are going to feel like curses. Like, so the gift can be, hey, you're born with, like, your daddy's worth $400 million. I'm sure, like, let's just be real. I'm 100% sure you not struggling like some of the kids where I grew up, and you ain't got to worry about where your back-to-school shoes going to come from. Your shoes ain't never talking. I had shoes that was talking, conversation, whole front of the soul about to fall off, right? You ain't got to deal with that. Your daddy got a Nike contract. What am I saying? It's pros and cons to all of this. So the, the kid that's struggling and saying, yo, you should be lucky because your daddy is rich. That kid could be looking and saying, you should be lucky that your daddy is not rich because you get to be a regular kid. I have to wear Nikes because my daddy got a Nike contract. I really like those Adidas, but I don't have a choice. But, oh, on the flip side, yeah, if I play basketball, they probably going to give me a contract too. There's all these pros and cons in life, and gifts can feel like curses sometimes. Now, here's the struggle that I think we have, is we seem to fall on extreme ends of the, of the spectrum. Like, we, we want to call things all either good or bad or, or, or not have conversations about, yo, everything ain't good just because his daddy is the president or his daddy is rich. Everything isn't bad just because your daddy is poor or your daddy is a regular employee. And so my overall point of bringing this up is like, in this life, there are conversations that we have to be mature enough to have where we can look at both sides of the coin, where we're not so stuck up in our emotions based on where we fall on the spectrum, because a lot of us have become conditioned to be selfish and only look at conversations and situations and experiences based on our personal experience versus understanding that the world doesn't revolve around Jermaine. Just because Jermaine was born on East Side 7 Mile in Detroit doesn't mean that everyone has that experience or perspective in life. And the only way we can, as again, this is to God's people, Christians, believers, the only way we could come together and really be one in Christ 
in one church and, and follow God's word is if we step aside out of our personal space a little bit and begin to engage in dialogue with other people, hear their side of the story, but also give feedback and not be afraid of that. And we will maybe see that there are things that you thought strangers were gifted at that actually feels like a curse to them and vice versa. And it doesn't always mean that somebody's right or wrong about it. It can be both. It's like, yo, this is a gift and a curse. But let me say this. And I know, like, look, some people might not like this, man. And I still love you if you don't like this. Life is not fair. Like, <laughs> we got to stop lying to ourselves and telling ourselves or having this expectation that life is fair. It's going to be fair to me, buddy. I promise you. Listen, let's just be real, man. If life was fair, like, like think about what fair really means. Only God can really even understand that. Because for most of us, that's why people ask questions. Well, if God is real, why did he allow this to happen in this country? Why do, do those kids suffer over there? Why does this happen? Why does that happen? Listen, man, God is in control. God is sovereign. I'm not, listen, I'm not educated enough to be the president of this country. How I'm going to be the president of the whole universe and be God? Like, you, you could, do you understand the qualifications? Have you ever, like, went online and looked at a job that you wasn't qualified for? And it's like, oh, 15 years sales and business to business sales experience. Um, oh, oh, my God. Uh, oh. So you mean, um, you mean me being a cashier for the last three months don't, don't qualify me to be a CEO? Nope, sure doesn't. There are qualifications. And God is God. So there are some things like, yo, I don't know. Like, that's God's job. Like, he got that worked out. But I do know, let's just be real, life ain't always fair. It don't always just work out to where everybody ain't the same height. Like, like life ain't fair. Some people, you play basketball against Shaq, and you think life is fair, then you're lying to yourself. He's way bigger, way taller, way stronger than you, bro. It ain't fair. It's not equal. It's not everything isn't just this walking apart. Like, there are people that are, that are born with certain deficiencies. There are some people who born into a family, and you got it all. May, at least it looks like from the outside looking in. And there are some people that it looks like, man, why was I born in this situation? There may be some blessings. There may be a gift in your curse. So the same way a gift can feel like a curse, a curse may really be a gift. The thing that you thought was a disadvantage for you may be the thing that gave you the drive to become who God called you to be. But at the end of the day, in this life, to whom much is given, much is required. So y'all know we got to jump into the word real quick. I was looking at Luke chapter 12, right around verse 48, 48, 48, four times two is up. I'm sorry. Why am I doing? I don't know why I just did. I apologize. All right. So here's the thing. Let's say somebody's like, I totally disagree with you, Jermaine. You're completely wrong about this. Life is fair. Life is fair. Life is fair. So let's jump right into it. Verse 48. And I'm like in the middle of the verse. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. So here's the question. If life is so fair, how come somebody else got much? They, they've been given much. Like, what's the, the point I'm making is like, there are times, like we all, 
We sing these songs. There is more that I require of thee. We listen to preachers that's, God got a call on your life, the call on your life. You're a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. God has elevated you. Your enemies are your footstool. Hold on, wait a minute. So who's the enemies? Because that don't seem fair. It don't seem fair that I got to be the footstool and you got to be elevated. It don't feel fair to me that you are the mind of God and I got to follow every lead from you. Listen, life ain't fair. But we want to act like that unconsciously. Like, and and what, I'm, what I'm trying to do, I have a purpose and I have a point that I'm getting to. But I like to look at things. I, listen, I don't like to just think what the world wants me to think about something. I really believe as believers, we have to read God's word. We have to step back and actually hear and, hear and see what God is saying and not just jump to conclusions based off what we feel. And that's one of the things I notice on social media. People don't really care what you say. They care how it makes them feel. And so people are just reacting to feelings a lot of times. And they're not really listening and trying to understand what you care. They're not asking questions. They're not giving you the benefit of the doubt as a believer and saying, okay, cool, that's interesting. I don't know if I agree with that, but tell me more. It's like we're losing our ability to reason. And we're becoming so emotional that we just snap off at people and we just, everyone doesn't have to be unfollowed and unfriended all the time. If I'm on social media and I expect everyone to agree with me on everything I say or think, like then I think the world revolves around me. And I don't understand that that's not how life works, buddy. It's not all about you, Jermaine. And I think it's important as believers that, you know, we seek the Lord on even how to utilize something like social media or how to communicate with people, whether it be at work or in your family, because life isn't always perfect. And sometimes what you may be reacting or communicating about may be something that you're guilty of, or it may be something that you're a victim of and you want people to understand. But the world is conditioning us just to lash out and just, you know, you have a voice. So just, Use it however you want to and all of that. And look, you do have a voice. That's a beautiful thing. But you also have a responsibility as a believer to communicate effectively and to care and to look for avenues in which you can actually be productive. And one thing that really, really, really concerns me strongly is that people think that you have to be a slave to their opinion of you. And what I mean by that is like, look at how we are with every single thing. Oh, I don't like that company says something. Don't ever shop there again. Okay, cool. It's cool that you don't want to shop there again, but I reserve the right to decide when I stop shopping somewhere. But we have this mentality where it's like, if you think someone shouldn't do something or if you're against something, you also now believe that the entire world has to think exactly like you. And if they don't, then they need to be punished because they don't think like you. That's a really scary thing to me, especially as believers. We got to think about this because if that's the conditioning that's happening, then at some point we do realize based on the Bible that everybody's not going to agree with the things that we believe, which they already don't. And Christians are already being persecuted because of this conditioning that, hey, you don't want to make a cake that I think you should make? 
well, you going to jail or you being sued. And so we live in this world where human beings, again, I said this on a previous episode, we're trying to solve God problems as human beings by saying, look, life is supposed to be fair and I'm going to make sure it's fair. All right, let me ask y'all a question before we move on. What is fair? Let's imagine you're God and you're now about to determine what's fair. So we all get the same amount of money. We all look exactly the same because nobody can actually be cuter and nobody can be uglier. Nobody can be taller or shorter. We all have the same amount of money. We all work the same job. Like, could you imagine how boring life would be if every single thing amongst us was the same and there was literally no differences between us? That's kind of how we think unconsciously as human beings. We look at the next person and we covet what they have. We covet their marriages and their relationships or their jobs or their height or their skin tone because we think that either they're better or some of us are arrogant because we think we're better. And all I'm simply saying is that, look, that's not how life works in reality. And sometimes in this life, you have to deal with gifts and you have to deal with curses and you got to figure it out and you have to trust God through it all because he is sovereign. He created you how you are. And you have to build your relationship and your faith with him through the good times and the bad times. Like believers like Job, life wasn't a walk in the park. Everything wasn't fair. Everything wasn't easy. We don't understand every dynamic of it. But he stood on the faith at the end of the day. Your life, the things that you feel are unfair, are not an excuse to separate yourself from God. All right, let's do this. Let's jump into a J-Wheel music song of the day, and then we'll come back to the rest of the show. Today's song is entitled The Christian Lifestyle featuring Katrina Campbell. And of course, you know, it's on my newest album entitled Inspire God's People. Please do me a favor. Search that on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play and wherever you listen to music. And please leave ratings and comments on the music. Tell us that you love it. If you hate it, keep it to yourself. Inspire God's people. It's looking like the real ones left. It's still a few real ones left. You can fake a vibe. You can never fake a lifestyle. You can fake a mood. You can never fake a lifestyle. Inspire God's people, that's the motivation God knows my art, I don't want to fake it I value sound doctrine over entertainment I am not so average, I'm amongst the greatest Got lost for a second, trying to find myself Soon as I found myself, I had to hide myself Some of the struggles that I had were the best thing Taught me to stay low-key when success came If you got it, then flaunt it, show your pride That's some things that the world say and when it all falls down and the smoke clears away, watch the world trade. They teach us hypocritical, it's pitiful, and come across some lyrical that's literal and chalk it up as cynical. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, how they gon' burn us in the fire when it's in our bones? Jeremiah flowed way before the womb. God knows who I am, he is not confused. By the path that I take, he is not amused. If you take a detour, please do not assume that you'll make it back before he makes it back to come and take us back. We all got something, we wish that we could take it back. Take it back, Lord Jesus, take it back, take it back. Struggles we fight deep down in 
speaking at schools Talking to these kids, trying to give them a clue Like if I made it out of here, then you can make it out too But it's kind of hard to make some moves if you ain't willing to move We stand still while we scream protests Professional procrastinators The name of Jesus we profess But the lifestyle we live in ain't the greatest No need to be perfect, just authentic Cause it's hard to have step when you are in it But the fact remains that you're still a human being So that means you were born in sin, forced to fight flesh I didn't come to point fingers, I came to lend a hand Called for the lifeguard when I saw you swimming in your sins I was surprised you ain't drowned out there on the deep end On the weekend, now you wishing you could take it back Take it back, yeah, 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 take it back uh, You repented, so he took it back Took it back, yeah, yeah, Jesus took it back, back, uh Yo, you just listened to The Christian Lifestyle by yours truly, J-Will Music. That is J-W-I-L-M-U-S-I-C featuring Katrina Campbell. The song was produced by her husband, Darrell Red Campbell Jr. And if you like that song, please do search J-Will Music, Inspire God's People. That is the last song on the album. And look, last week I had somebody, you know, kind of correct me like, hey, if you going to say the name of your website, Mr. Jermaine, can you let us know that it's one L? So I forgot who that was that said that. But listen, I stand completely corrected. Um, and I like the way you checked me because you did it respectfully. You know what I'm saying? So if you want to check out my website, that is J-W-I-L-M-U-S-I-C, jwillmusic.com. You can scroll to the bottom of that page if you're on your mobile device, and you can click directly to my YouTube, my Instagram, uh, email me, whatever. All of that is directly from jwillmusic.com. Now let's keep it moving, yeah. It's time to get social. Let's get social. It's time to get social. Let's get social. Let's get social. Let's get social. Let's get social. Yo, guys, people, it's time to head over to my Facebook page. Uh, that's Jermaine James. If you find yourself wanting to friend me on Facebook, Jermaine James. I actually don't have any more friend slots available. I filled two slots today after two people unfriended me yesterday. And maybe we will find out why they unfriended me as we take a look at a couple of these posts. Let's do it. Here's the first one. It has 145 likes. 
69 comments and four shares. And this has smiling faces on it, so you know that I'm joking. I said, question, if I only preach on Facebook, is my wife still a first lady? Woo, that's too deep for some of y'all. Let's see what some of these comments say. Mrs. Kimmy Gray Crittenden says, I literally hollered, good night, Jermaine. I think you're sleepy. Bunch of laughing emojis. Let's see. We got Ty Dalton NBA says, yep, first wives of Facebook, duh. I like that because that sounds like a little ghetto um, social media reality show. First lot wives of Facebook. Um, Stephen Bennett Jr., this actually cracked me up. He said, yes, a cyber first lady. I like the way that sounds. My wife is now a cyber first lady. I think somebody else, let's see, somebody else said something. Yeah, Maria Riggins said a virtual first lady. Um, Y'all got issues. Let's move on from that post. Okay, here's the other one. Had 256 likes, 72 comments, and 77 shares. Here's what I said. Also has the laughing emojis, which lets you know that I'm joking, people. Let's keep it light, light. Like, let's keep it light. Hey, 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 hey. The first thing people do when they mad at you is stop liking your post. Look, y'all know this is real, man. It's weird, like, how people are conditioned now on social media. Like, so if somebody got a little attitude with you, it's like, no, all of a sudden, like, sometimes they block you and unfriend you, which is a unique um kind of thing to do sometimes like every time you you know disagree with somebody it's like uh, block whatever unfriend like uh, you why people think they teaching you a lesson like uh, i ain't gonna like your post Ooh, i unfriended you and the same people who unfriend you sometimes see you in person and they still your best friend it's like bro you unfriend if you unfriend me on social media then you unfriended me in real life let's let's just go all the way petty super petty, super petty, super petty. anyway Oh, let's move along to the good one. <laughs> Here's the one that uh, got people riled up this week. Um, it had 166 likes, 348 comments, so there's a lot to uncover there, and eight shares. Here's what I said. A lot of times, pastor's kids are the ones leading the youth into sin. And then I put the little eyeball emojis right there. Okay, so first things first, there was no laughing emojis on this one, so I must have at least been somewhat kind of serious or something like that. Look, this post really got people going, so let's spend a little bit of time on this one. Let's talk about it. Let's kick it. Let's dialogue. Calm down for everybody who's all upset. I had a lot of upset individuals on this post, and that's fine. Um, it was a loaded statement purposely because I use social media as a conversation starter. Difficult and controversial things like abortion, homosexuality, um, things regarding the church. I don't view social media as a the proper, you know, outlet or platform to, you know, be able to dialogue and converse in a productive manner. So what I do is I, I leave bold statements on there to create conversations so that I can then bring the conversation to my show and have a more in-depth, you know, breakdown of it. And the way I feel about it is the people who actually care about the conversation, at least care what I have to say about it, and aren't just emotional, they'll take the extra time to actually click 
the link to the show or check out the show and actually, you know, give the topic the time that it deserves. For the people who are just angry and want to put their feelings on the comments, look, I'm not mad at you. I welcome disagreeing comments all the time as long as they aren't disrespectful. That doesn't bother me. Um, but it shows me how much you care, you know, when you don't give the conversation a proper space. So that's what we are doing today. So let's breathe easy and let's continue to get social. Have a seat, please. All right, let me give a little, you know, introduction to what I was thinking when I made this post before I check out a couple of the comments. Again, there's 348 comments. So if you want to read through all of that, you are going to have to go to my Facebook page yourself. Unfortunately, I don't have the time on this show to break all of that down. But I will try to get to a couple of the comments. Um, I'll randomly kind of pick a few of them and, you know, give some thoughts behind those. Here's the first thing. I purposely used a very vague, you know, description a lot of times, right? I didn't want to be very specific because it was just an opinion based on my personal uh, perspective and experiences and also the experiences of people, you know, around me. So let me say this. I have been a preacher's kid my entire life. So that means minister's kid slash, you know, at some point my father became a pastor um, but you know, all of my parents to some extent are in the ministry, um, whether small or large or in between, I've been around a lot of things on top of that. My siblings are also in the ministry, a lot of them on the music side of it. So what this kind of means is that I've grown up with quite a bit of access on top of that. I'm from Detroit. Now for anybody who doesn't understand in Detroit, the gospel music industry and the church scene, what seems major to other people, is kind of like every day in Detroit. And what do I mean by that? I mean, that some of the people who you view as maybe celebrities in the gospel or church arena, when it comes to Detroit, these are the people that we go to school with, we play basketball with, you know, we go to the mall with, like these are our friends or associates. So a lot of the young artists and things like that, like, their parents are pastors a lot of times. When you are a pastor's kid, to some extent, you get a lot of access, not just to your own family, but, you know, behind the scenes looks at other pastors and church people. So understand, on top of being, you know, an artist myself, and I've been able to be in some rooms with different people and around different people and booked by a lot of churches, I'm saying this from a certain perspective. I am a preacher's kid or was a preacher's kid because the other thing I feel is like uh, we are grown now. So like, um, yeah, we talking about what we, you know, how we grew up, not necessarily who we are today. I'm a grown man. I'm all the way grown. Um, but I get, you know, I'm still my parents' child, but I'm not a kid though. There's a difference. I think maybe that's another day and another post. But anyway, now that you understand my perspective and that I'm speaking as an insider, and this is not just random information, um, now let's kind of move to the next part of it. I used a vague description. I said a lot of times, right? So this, this means that I'm not saying in every scenario, I'm not painting everyone with this picture, um, but it happens and, and I've seen it enough, right? Here's the other thing. So some of the responses I received and I understand it, first and foremost. I'm not going to like try to 
be condescending or disrespect anyone because everyone has their opinion and I welcome those opinions. But some of what I heard was, um, and there was another post, like there was actually another post on Facebook about me and what I said. And there were other people talking about me on that post. And I read through some of it. I actually knew some of the people who were kind of talking on there, which is all good. It's all love. Um, you know, I, I feel y'all, you know. So you had some people saying that talking like that paints, continues to paint and push forward the stereotype and paint a negative image of preacher's kids, right? So I get it. People feel like I shouldn't have said that, at least some people. I shouldn't have said that because there's already this negative stigma. And by saying that, you're just continuing to make us look bad. All right, cool. That's a fair, you know, opinion. However, when you say something like that, what I want to know is, does this person actually mean it in general as a principle that they live by? Or are they biased and they only use this as an argument when something doesn't paint them out to look perfect? So I go through some of the people's pages and I scroll and I see, how do you talk? How do you typically present yourself? Do you always live by this idea that, you know, don't say anything controversial or don't say anything sketchy because um, it's going to paint a bad image? And you know what? A lot of those people um, just last week, they were talking about the BET Awards and talking about their favorite artists. They post themselves at secular concerts. Some of them cuss. Some of them make R&B music about sex and fornication. And I'm looking and I'm saying, well, what do, do those things paint preachers' kids in the correct image? Or do those things continue to push forward the stereotype? So look, here's my thing. I understand arguments in, that people want to have, but just let it be a real position and not a biased position. If you're going to tell me you're super concerned about the image of the church and church people, then you also should be someone that we could easily go to your Facebook page and see that this is something that you live by, that you never put, you know, the image of preacher's kids in, in a questionable light. And that's just not the case. On social media, every single day, I've seen some, some people that's on this post, they was just in bathing suits last week, showing off their bodies. Some people are, I mean, it's a lot of, what I'm saying, I'm not going to try to start pointing things out. What I'm saying is that, People use certain arguments when it's convenient. And I saw some of that, at least, on this post. And so I'm not going to be a slave to your biased opinion. I'm not going to say I can't say something that I believe has some truth to it um, just because you now conveniently want to say I'm painting the church in a bad image on top of the fact that some people I noticed I ain't even know we was Facebook friends. You only comment on my page when you have something negative to say. And I think this kind of speaks to how we're triggered as the church sometimes. And um, as believers, like we are falling into the ways of the world, even in how we communicate. So I'm posting on Facebook all the time, whether it be just, you know, easygoing jokes or uh, scripture or ministry or things like that. Like, um, that are or or the preach word. I'm sharing all these things, and you're not saying nothing. Like, and, and I'm not saying everybody because I got a lot of people in this post who I respect. And if you disagree with me, and you're a person that's always talking to me, and we're communicating, I'm gonna give you the full time and attention and respect, and I'm gonna respond. But some of the people I didn't respond to, 
not because I wanted to ignore you, but it's because like we don't have a relationship. So now I don't know how you're going to take my response because I, you know, it's questionable how you even took the post itself because some people were kind of speaking out of anger and it's like, all right, cool. All right. So enough about at least that aspect of it. Now let's, you know, let's take a quick moment to at least read through a couple of the comments. Again, I'm not going to be able to get through all of these. And I actually have some more things to say about this topic um, outside of just let's get social. So um, let's let's look and see, man. OK, one of the things that was interesting to me is that so so many people made it personal and they, and, and they limited the, the post in a statement to their own life. And, and to me, that comes off a little defensive um, and maybe dismissing the actual point that was made, because if it doesn't apply to you, when I say a lot of the times, then you just fit into that group of people where that's not the case. But when people were telling me they disagree and stuff, I'm like, sir, you saying you disagree that this actually happens and or whatever. So we're going to talk about that. But let's read a couple of these comments. Uh, Sylvia Hubbard, she says, I'm a PK. I definitely disagree. OK. Um, I actually like this one a lot. This is Jared Hewitt. I'm not going to read all of it, I don't think, um, because me and him had some back and forth. But this was, to me, kind of the proper way to dialogue through this. And Jared is someone who's always on my post showing love. So I have no problem with him uh, giving an opposing view or, or challenging what I'm saying. I think that's cool, and we should do that as believers. So he said, PKs go through a lot more than what the saints really know. There are some of us that truly love God and that want to break the stereotype. There are challenges we deal with internally, but we still have to openly exemplify strength. Some PKs just can't handle the pressures that family and ministry brings. I feel them. Listen, I love this comment. I love what Jared said. Because now Jared, instead of focusing on just the what I said, um, he progressed the conversation to the why which is where I think the conversation needs to be. So he didn't just, you know, deny the fact as a preacher's kid that this happens, but he started to enlighten me on like why this happens, right? And I can respect that um, because I think the why is where we should spend our time. And we're going to come back to that. Um, let's keep it moving. Let's see. My brother Ivan said, man, this is a highly true statement. 100, 100, 100. Um, let's see, Shantae Roberts. We're going to just read a little bit of what she said because she had a long one as well. And Shantae is also, also someone who's on my page showing love and all of that. So again, I have no problem with people who are always talking to me, you know, continuing to talk to me, agree, disagree, or in between. She says, I beg to differ, Jermaine. I'm a PK and only a handful knows it. I can guarantee if you were to poll people concerning me, they will say my walk is pretty steady. I was also a youth leader. And their lifestyle today exemplifies the biblical principles I taught them. I'm godly proud of my babies. Now, I didn't camouflage my faults and make it seem as though I was so holy I don't mess up too. I teach them about those shortcomings and how to be, how not to be condemned by them. All right, so she said a lot more. And we had some back and forth, and you could check it out on the page. Again, another healthy dialogue where people are challenging what I feel and what I said. And I love it. But here's the thing that I respect about both Jared and Shantae when you read the comments. They didn't just challenge me when I asked their questions, when I answered their questions and had more dialogue. 
they also agreed when I made a good point, right? And sometimes we get so caught up in trying to be right that we can't tell each other, yep, Shante, yep, Jared, that was a good point. I feel you on that. But here, here's what I think about this. And then they're like, yep, Jay, I feel you on that. And here's what I think about that. And to me, I think these are healthy examples as believers in how we think through these conversations because we're not just trying to be right. We're actually trying to be righteous. To be righteous. To be righteous. To be righteous. Okay, let's get through a couple of more. Here's one from Marcos Munoz. Munoz. I'm sorry, Marcos, man. I'm messing up your name, bro. He says, I grew up as a PK myself for most of my life. I've seen good pastors and bad PKs and vice versa. I wonder if growing up the church like this is a determinant. Deter oh, man. Deterrent? Or is it the kids seeing each other's side of... Uh, seeing other sides of a pastoral family is a problem. I personally grew up pretty well, but I've seen bad ones that deny the gospel. Um, Marlon Carruther, Car man, I'm just, listen, I'm, I can read y'all, but it's like when you reading people's names, you got to sound it out. Carruthers, Carruthers, Marlon Carruthers. Facts. I'm a preacher kid, and I know I led a couple people <laughs> in my day. Uh, that was a long time ago, though. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. Someone else, Carisha Henderson says, I'm not so sure about this one. Okay, cool. My brother Darius said, this is facts and also motivation for me to stand out. I think that's a great mentality to have, right? Versus just denying something is being like, yo, like, all right, I know this happens, but I'm not, I'm going to use it as motivation. It's kind of like some people. We know that you come from the hood. And you know it could be, uh, you know, you come from a bad neighborhood, it could be a dangerous place. You, know, you don't deny that, but you use that as fuel to say, all right, I'm going to get out of here. That's why people try to make it out the hood all the time. Not because they don't want to admit that the hood is a dangerous place. It, it's like, this is, if it was safe and just perfect, you wouldn't be trying to get out. And I'm not saying all neighborhoods are bad, again, but just saying in general, that's the thought process behind it. All right, here's the last comment I'll read, and then I'll move on. Gabriel Parker, my boy Gabe, you know, check out his show, Path of Revelation Show. Uh, he made a good comment. He says, a lot of pastors making their sons and daughters the youth pastor slash minister of music and know they aren't saved, but they want, to, they want them to take over the church so bad one day. Hashtag church is a family business. All right, look, this is kind of a big deal to me. Like, this is something we have to talk about. Like, all right, let, let's start unpacking some of the comments, right? So some of the things we heard and starting with what Gabe said, you have this pressure that the parents sometimes put on their kids. Now, preaching is not the only, you know, quote unquote industry or occupation or, or you know, space where parents do this. I think parents do this in general. LeBron James seems to want his sons to play basketball. Um, Denzel Washington has a son that's an actor and a daughter that's an actress. And, and so what happens is, again, I don't know that I'm not saying that they're pressuring their kids because I don't know their situations. But what I'm saying is in general, sometimes, whether direct or indirect, a kid can feel that pressure. And sometimes parents have these visions for their kids like my son's going to be the pastor. My son's going to be the next whatever, whatever. And so what I've noticed sometimes especially in church, is that people put pressure on preachers' kids, but they never actually give them 
the knowledge and the education um, and how to carry the mantle. So, so this is what I've seen, you know, quite frankly, most of the time is that you inherit something. You inherit a platform as a preacher's kid. And there's a lot of good that comes with that. And like I talked about earlier, it could be a gift and a curse. Because as a gift, look, you become one of the most popular kids in church most times. Most pastor's kids I know, even all these people on my post that's talking about their PKs, please believe me, these are very popular people. Some of them are singers and artists and got thousands of followers. They have this platform, and whether they realize it or not, a lot of the reason why is because of who their parents are. And they, and they want them to live up to that. And the kid feels that pressure. So here's what we see a lot of times, especially, I'm going to tell you, in the music side of things. I don't know why music is such a big thing with pastors' kids, but I guess because music is such a huge part of church, right? So you have this situation where a lot of times the kid inherits this platform, right? So since they've been younger, because your parents are you know, the pastors or preachers or minister or whatever, you have this opportunity that a lot of kids don't have, which is you have the opportunity to hone your craft, to become more skillful in singing. Uh, man, church is like the, the best gig for most kids growing up and the best talent show because you get to lead songs in the choir and dance and you, you get to be a musician. And you get to practice every week. And what typically happens, and, and again, we're talking factual things now. We're not talking just random opinions. Just do a Google search of people who, who are famous, but their parents were pastors or preachers. Like You'll see musicians and different people come up. What happens is because they inherited this platform, they have the ability to be able to have free lessons and talent show and like just this opportunity every week. And they become better and better and better. And what ends up happening is through that process, most of the times nobody is actually sitting around, sitting down with them and teaching them about the importance of using their gift to the glory of God. We just, just teach people that they're anointed because they're talented. And so these people grow up. And by the time they're teenagers, they just love music now. Like, so it's like, yeah, like you gave me this opportunity. I've been singing in front of people my whole life. And again, if you look in the secular music industry, look at all your favorite R&B artists. I bet half of them, half of them grew up singing in church, honing their talents and their skills right at the, at the altar, in the sanctuary. They were there. But we have to ask ourselves, why are they the ones that end up in the world uh, doing the secular music and again, leading people into sin? When I talk about leading, because one of the other things, I didn't read some of the comments just because if I felt like they were just too negative or people were too emotional, I didn't want to call them out on the show and stuff. So I just left it alone. You can read it if you want to. But at the end of the day, some people were saying, nobody can make you sin. Like, uh, youth leaders aren't le It's like, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait. A you can't have your cake and eat it too. I can't literally call myself a youth leader and then say I'm not leading people anywhere. I can't call myself the minister of music or the minister of this department and then say I'm, I'm, I'm not leading people, but I'm literally leading people. Is your boss at your job a leader? We're talking about leading. I didn't say they make you sin. I said they lead people into sin. And what I mean by this is when you have someone who uses the church platform their entire life, 
to become skilled at their craft and then use that as an opportunity to propel into the world and become successful. Then they come back and introduce your kids to the music they're doing, to the lifestyle they're living. And where do you think your kids are going for the concert when they come in town? They're going to the club, not just because they like this artist, but this artist was their youth pastor. This artist was, you know, the pastor's son or daughter. And, and again, when you're the pastor's son or daughter, I'm speaking from experience, you are automatically super popular in church. People automatically love you. Like you, listen, my brother Darius can do no wrong. He's a talented singer and musician, and I'm seeing it with my nephews now, like Bryce, little Bryce, he sings. He's starting to play the guitar. Like, he can do no wrong. But if we don't teach him about the importance of not just being gifted, but using that gift to the glory of God, then unfortunately my nephew will be like the people I'm talking about, and he will be the preacher's kid that grows up and leads other young people into a sinful lifestyle by way of his influence. What we're talking about at the end of the day is the power of influence. And if you think that, you know, preacher's kids don't have influence, then what I'm saying is that you're just sadly mistaken. And maybe if you're saying, I'm a PK and I never let people, listen, you led them somewhere. So congratulations if you're one of the people who got it right and didn't lead them into sin. You led them somewhere, but at the same time, you're probably still leading them somewhere. And if I'm on your page every week and you're cussing and you're at this concert and you got your bathing suit on, listen, people are following that. And so sometimes I think there's two sides. The parents are pushing their vision and dreams on their kids without giving their, equipping their children with the proper biblical information and insight into the spiritual side of what they do because the parents are so busy doing other things, right? And, and the kids end up being taught and learned. Now, once they start in the church, they find a mentor in the world, a favorite producer or somebody. And people, listen, all these artists love church musicians and church artists. The church is the heartbeat of hip hop, R&B, we think these secular artists are, are really influencing the church. It's vice versa. They are recruiting in our churches. If you look at the Grammys or American Idol, all of these places, these bands are full of church musicians. Why? Because they know these people are skilled. Church is like a school for music. So my point with that is, yes, it's possible to use your influence and lead people into sin. I'm not saying everyone does it, but I am saying it's somewhat of an epidemic in the church where a lot of times preachers' kids are growing up and a lot of them aren't even saved anymore. And there are some prominent pastors and preachers right now. Listen, this is the power of Instagram. Maybe you don't know who some of these people's kids are. And I understand, like, it's not always obvious. They're not always talking about all their kids. Go to their Instagram page. Look, I'm not making this stuff up. A lot of these people are not even Christians anymore. There's some form of a Hebrew Israelite cult or, you know, some other false religion that seems like a subset of Christianity, but is not the true and authentic Christianity serving Jesus Christ, the true Messiah. And so a lot of these people are preachers, kids, and we have to be honest and say, look, 
if your bishop's son is a Hebrew Israelite and you grew up thinking his son was the greatest thing on earth and your kids still follow him on Instagram and he still comes to church every now and then, you have to understand the power and impact of the influence that he has and where he or she may be leading your children. Okay, here's another important part of this conversation to me. And I talked about it a little bit in the comments. You know, most of the people, or at least quite a bit of the people on my thread and giving comments, are actually preachers, worship leaders, ministers, or pastors themselves now. And most of them, a large majority of them have children. And so while it was interesting to me that a lot of people were spending time defending their personal position, my fear is that they could be becoming their parents. Because some people shared their hurt and the pressure and their pain of, um, and, and people are ho holding and carrying burdens from the expectations of being a preacher's kid. But I think what they're, they don't realize, look, you're no longer a kid. You're actually an adult now, but you have kids. And you're doing some of the same things your parents did by putting your ministry or your music and everything first. Are you teaching your kids? Or are they learning from YouTube and Instagram? And what happens is, if you're not careful, your children, if I, I would say we, I don't have kids, but I could say we, so everybody feel like I'm not pointing anyone out. If we're not careful, our kids, the next generation, my nephews, my nieces, could end up being that, that worst generation that leads people further into sin. So some of the relevance of, and the reason why I brought up this post was so that you could maybe be like, whoa, wait a minute. I remember being a preacher's kid. I remember the expectations. Have you had the conversation with your children? Have you sat down with your son and daughter and tried to be a better version of your parents than what you experienced in this situation? Or are you caught up just like your parents were? Because it's easy. I, it's this commercial. I don't, I don't know if it's Geico. It's probably Geico. Geico has like the best commercials ever. But it's a commercial where it's like it's a joke because everyone is becoming their parents. And we do that. We do that in some ways. We be, I've done it. I look at myself, I'm like, man, I used to think this was stupid. I'm doing what my dad did. I'm, I, I'm sounding, saying the same thing my mama said. And so we become our parents unconsciously because they're our parents. And so just be careful not to be in denial to the point where you can't help your children because you're not willing to admit that this is a problem that exists in the church. In the church. In the church. In the church. Hold up, hold up, wait. In the you know what? I'm about to extend today's show. This is our first extended version of Inspire Guys People. Why? Because I'm not done with this topic. I'm not done with this topic. Mm -hmm. All right, so Pete, I found this article by a guy named Dale Hudson on childrensministry.com. I thought this was a cool article. It's actually entitled, Pastors, Kids Gone Wild. Um, <laughs> look, that's their title, not mine. So if you don't like that, um, you know, hit up childrensministry.com. Uh, what I'm going to be reading is going to be, you know, from their site directly. So there was a couple things. I, I kind of skimmed through this article. And, you know, again, this is an important issue and topic to me because, number one, it's something I've watched happen for years. And I've never really said anything about it outside of like, you know, to friends here and there. I've never actually talked about it publicly. 
Um, but I think it is, um, you know, worth our while. So keep in mind, as we said earlier, to whom much is giving, given much is required. And Jesus actually said that. And we also talked about how, look, you don't necessarily choose what you get, like what you're given. Life isn't fair in that way. Like, I didn't choose to be me. <laughs> like, when you think about it, it's like, you ain't choose to be light-skinned. God made you light-skinned. Like, we, we, we didn't choose a lot of things about life, but that's not an excuse for us to live any type of way. And so I think one of the things is, as we balance this out, yes, the, the parents have to take some blame and they have to do a better job educating the kids. And parents have to be a little less selfish because they're putting kids in positions even when they're not qualified. So you can have a son or daughter and you know they struggling and living wild. And you still like, hey, you the youth pastor. Why? Not because you really called to that or you really equipped for that right now, but they're pressuring you because you're their parent, you're their child, and they have visions of you one day taking over the church. And the only way they know to do that right now is to force you into a position. Uh, can I talk or not? Force you into a position of leadership. And again, that's how you can lead people into sin. When you're not even necessarily right with God, you don't even really believe, um, but yet you're leading others. The other side of that is, as you know, PKs, you have to re you have to understand the responsibility of the platform that you inherited, and if you're going to step into something, and I know sometimes you may be too young to understand that, and that's why I put onus on the parents, but it's not an excuse. We're talking people 20, 25 years old who are still kind of reckless with the platform um, and the ministry. And I'm not saying we haven't all been there or made those mistakes, but that doesn't make it right. Just because I messed up too doesn't make something right. And I understand those pressures of when you have these expectations on you, you feel like there's no one you can go talk to because everyone expects you to be perfect. So again, there's enough blame to go around, but that doesn't mean we don't need to address it just because there's blame to go on every side. All right, so how Dale kind of started this uh, article off was interesting. Um, it's talked about some of the celebrities um, that you may know who are uh, preachers' kids. In particular, they talked about Katy Perry a little bit. And, and I'm not like, I don't know a lot about Katy Perry. I've seen little clips of her on American Idol, and that's where I've heard her talk about being a pastor's kid. And I've seen her... She's talked about it in a way where you could tell, at least in the clips I've seen, that it bothered her because I've seen her talk to other artists who came out of the church who auditioned on the show and be like, that's right. You break free. I grew up in church and I couldn't listen to secular music. I couldn't sing secular. So you go out and you whatever. And that's another example of what I mean by leading others into sin. So I'm going to read a little bit of this article. Not a lot of it. Um, he says. Katie was born to Keith and Mary Hudson, ministers who traveled the world sharing the gospel. Katie traveled with her parents and began singing in church at age nine. That, there goes that platform I talked about, the benefits of being a PK. Their home had strict guidelines and Katie had limited exposure to secular music. She continued to sing gospel through her teen years, but then moved to Los Angeles to pursue a career in secular music. She rose to fame in 2008 with her hit single, quote, I Kissed a Girl. She experienced great success, 
having sold over 11 million albums and 81 singles worldwide as of 2013, making her one of the best-selling artists of all time. Listen to what I'm saying, y'all. This is a preacher's kid who, whose gain to fame is a song about kissing a girl. And I guess that's that song about, uh, I've heard that song like in the mall and stuff. Um, I didn't know that was her, but kissing a girl and liking it. And so what am I saying? Look at how dangerous that is. Like, so part of what happens as preacher's kids is when a preacher's kid, the reason that we can be more dangerous if we go on the wrong path is because we're holding so much in, so much anger, so much resentment that we almost become on a mission against the church. It's not the same as a normal kid, y'all. And I know people like, we're just human. We're the same as everyone else, Jermaine. Yeah, we are human. I get it. But there's a certain, like, anger and fierce, like, nature about preachers' kids. When they go in the world, we go on, like, we go on fire for the world because there's a resentment for who our parents are and what they represent. Okay, so check this out. Again, this is on childrensministry.com. And this is what he says. In an interview with Mary Marie Claire magazine, she said, this is Katy Perry, I don't believe in a heaven or a hell or an old man sitting on a throne. I believe in a higher power bigger than me because that keeps me accountable. To GQ magazine, she said, I believe in a lot of astrology. I believe in aliens. I look into the stars and I imagine. How important are we to think that we are the only life form? So here's what I'm saying. And this is not to bash Katy Perry. This is just in an article. These are things she said publicly. So I'm repeating them publicly. I don't know her. I don't know much about her. I've never heard her music other than that song, unless there's something else I heard by mistake. So again, nothing personal against her. I just came across this article, thought it was cool to share because I have seen her on American Idol seem to be very intentional about telling people her message, at least in talking to other young artists and how she leads them. And I've seen this for myself is I came out of the church so you can, too. And you can come into this because my parents tried to hold me back. And so what I'm saying is, look, I don't know her to know where all of her resentment came from. But these are the things that we have to think about when we're looking at pastors and preachers. Kids is like, listen, um, maybe there could have been a better job done with her bringing her along along the way as she grew up versus just giving her a platform at age nine. It's like giving people keys to a car and letting them just drive off into the sunset when they don't have a license yet. And it's like, sometimes we need a license to preach. We need a license to sing. We need a license to be a musician. We need, you know, not a literal license, but I'm saying like, we need to be taught and educated. When you think about getting your license to drive, nobody just gives you keys and let you drive. They tell you about a car. You got to go to driver's training. You got to take a driver's test after you go to training. You have to prove to people that you're ready for it. And so many times as a preacher's kid, we just have access to platforms that we're not ready for. We're talented, right? There's so many talented preacher's kids in the world. It actually blows me away, but we're not necessarily qualified or prepared for it. Okay, I'm going to end with just a couple of bullet points. This is a very long article, but I'm going to end on a couple of bullet points that were called out in this article. Um, and some of them, I guess, were like, um, you know, a guideline to parents of, of preacher's kids. And, and this is one of the last things I'll say about the post that I made. Everyone took it as a shot at the kids. It was a conversation starter. 
And a lot of the uh, responsibility is on the parents, right? Especially while the kids are younger. But when the kids become of the age of accountability, right? We, we all are accountable because we all have problems in our lives. And even if you're not a preacher's kid, you have problems. And that doesn't give preacher's kids like, they're not like, like it's interesting. People say we're just human or, and they use that in a way because they want to be left alone to do whatever they want to do. But we don't let anyone just do that. Like it's people, it's prisons full of people because people, yeah, you're just human, but you committed a crime. So like we have to also be taught how to be responsibility, uh, responsible and accountable. And again, there's enough blame to go around, but let's leave it with some of these bullet points. Dale Hudson says, spend time with your children. He says, be home when you're home. I like that one because let's see what he went on, going, went on to say. Your kids need your attention and focus when you're home. Don't fall into the pattern of bringing work home with you. They need you talking to them rather than talking to a church member on the phone. They need your eyes on them, not on a text message from a volunteer. Man, that's important. He says, learn to say no. Think about that. Like, you know, a lot of times you get caught up and it's not just pastors and preachers. It could, you could be an entrepreneur or a CEO. And, and I've actually heard CEOs talk about this. They get so caught up in their, in their work that they're, they don't even know their kid's favorite color. He says, set boundaries. Slit, set clear boundaries around your time with your kids. People will ask for you during these times. Simply reply that you have an appointment already. Practice what you preach. This is important because you're exposing your kids to stuff at home. And if you set a bad example of what it means to be a pastor or a Christian, your kid is going to grow up and think God is fake because of your influence on them. Here's the last one and probably one of the most important ones. Don't make your kids live at church. Look, I know that church has a lot to offer, but so does life. And a lot of times, you know, when when you live at church and church is your job as a preacher or a minister, then going to church sometimes can feel like for a preacher kid, take your kid to work day. It's cute when you do it once a year. It's maybe fun when you're eight years old. But when you turn 14, you want your dad to go outside and play catch with you. You want your mom to teach you how to scramble eggs. You want to, you know, you want to spend time with your family outside of church because church feels like work. So those are just some tips for the parents. You know what I mean? Because it's important as the parents. And if you are a former PK and you're a parent now, we got to take these things. Look, man, thank you all for engaging this conversation and dialogue. And please feel free. Email me your thoughts at JermaineWilsonMusic at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram at Mr. Underscore Bellwether. You can also just visit jwillmusic.com. Scroll to the bottom if you're on your phone and you'll see my Instagram, my Facebook, my um, email, and you can just contact me that way. J-W-I-L-M-U-S-I-C dot com.